This is the We Can Do Better podcast with Adam O'Leary, talking about Michigan's 2nd Senate District, featuring stories from Detroit, Gross Point, Amtramic, Harper Woods, and Highland Park, told by the people doing the work, and myself, Senator Adam O'Leary. I'm here with Earl Pileski, former state representative and now current director of MISHTA. Uh, Earl, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? What's, uh, what you got going on? Oh, well, I'm the director of MISHTA now. Um, but as you know, I, was, I did six years in the State House in, uh, from 2011 to 2016. Before that, I was a, a CPA in uh, public-private uh, You were a CPA. I, feel I, like, I, I am a CPA. I feel like government was just went CPA crazy. Are, are we, is it still CPAs uh, it's everywhere? CPA awesome, by the way, not ever CPA crazy. Okay, okay. I'll take that. So, um, yeah, I, I was a CPA for many years, uh, both in, in public practice and in the oil and gas industry. But there came a point where, uh, you know, the kids were growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife uh, has a job of her own. She's busy. I'm busy. You know, is there something else I could be doing? I cast my eye around, and it looked like maybe it was uh, the county commission. You could use a little uh, financial so where hand. Where are you from? Jackson County. Jackson. It's Jackson County. So, uh, yeah, so I ran for the county commission, did two terms there, and then ran for the state house and did three uh, three terms in the in the state house. Awesome. Well, we're super glad to have you, and I think it's particularly timely in that uh, Mishita is a department that I think people see on the periphery, right? right? Like, people have some idea what Mishita does, but I don't think really understand the breadth of what you do. Right. And I think you explain it in a, in a way that I had never thought about it. Can you just tell us yeah. a little bit about the department? So um, what, I, what I tell folks is that Mishta is kind of like a state-run bank that has a social mission. You know, that's super funny. You know, Hamilton is the thing these days, and Alexander Hamilton was all about a state bank at a time where it was very uh, uh, that, surprising, like scary. People were like, no state bank. Well, and uh, I'm not sure I'm necessarily an advocate of, you know, <laughs> the uh, state or federal government running banks. I mean, there's, there's value in having right. businesses run it. But uh, when, I, when I say that, it's because we borrow and we lend, just mm-hmm. like a bank or an investment bank would do. We make money on the spread. Uh, we have a limited amount of spread we can make because we don't, you know, uh, there's, there's rules on uh, issuing tax-exempt debt. We don't want to be uh, borrowing very cheaply and then uh, gouging our borrowers at some which high interest rate, which we, we don't do. Okay, we just don't do it. So we're limited to what we can make, uh, but we do that, and uh, the neat thing is we can put, people in homes in Michigan that are not maybe your typical single-family borrowers or can your you, typical can you kind of give us a, yeah. a, paint us a picture of who your average borrower is? Sure. Uh, our, if we're talking about single-family borrowing, yeah. we're talking about somebody who has a 640 credit score, which is not real low, but it's not real high either, okay? It's, it's your what, average What guy. do you really need to get a commercial loan? We don't do. We don't I mean, do but I'm, I'm sorry. A, a normal residential, like from a com- commercial. From lender. a commercial bank, I really don't know. I mean, I know what we do. <laughs> I, okay. I mean, the higher. No the, I mean, if you have an 800 credit score, you're golden. Okay, so between 640 and 800, I guess. Um, so uh, we also have limits on how high someone's income can be to borrow from us. Okay. So typically, with a two-person household, it's about 90000 of income. Okay. Every county has its own uh, number. That's mm-hmm. a federally prescribed deal. Uh, we also have a limit in how expensive a house you can buy, and that's $224,500. Now, in most parts of the state of Michigan, you can buy a pretty nice house for $224,500. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a little harder in Traverse City. 
a little harder in parts of Detroit, a little harder in Ann Arbor. Okay, yeah. but that's our limit. That's a statutory mm -hmm. uh, limit. Is that a federal or is it a state? That limit? is our state statute currently. Okay. okay. But if you're thinking about, I mean, right now those numbers kind of square with each other. If you're making 90000 you probably ought not to be buying a more expensive house than two twenty four five. all right, because it's going to be very hard. Yeah to make those payments. And and those are that's a borrower that's a modest borrower, okay? Right. Um, and frankly, uh, you know, uh, many lenders would rather be lending to someone of greater means for a more expensive house. Okay? We'd rather be people of higher means. I know, <coughs> I know we'd love to have more of them in the district, but sure. it's just not the reality uh, of who I represent it and what their means are. Right, And but, but, the, but to be a homeowner is to be a more engaged citizen. It's to be more um, invested in your neighborhood. And I think the better off our state and our country is, the more um, single family homeowners we have, the more property owners we have. And you do a lot of lending to folks who probably since they were not, would not be able to get a commercial lending. This may be their first home or their first opportunity to be a homeowner. Very often they are first time homeowners. Not only that, but very often they are the first person in their family to be a homeowner. Could you say that again, they're the first person in their family to be a homeowner? Quite often you find folks for whom this is the first, this is the first history of being a homeowner in their family. They've been renters their whole lives for That's generations. That's got to be a big change, not just for that individual, but for the family. You also do counseling and some yes. other training. How does someone yes. get involved? What does that okay. stuff look like? So when we... When we're looking at a single family home um, mm -hmm. borrower, okay, in 90% of the cases, we are also lending them down payment assistance because they haven't got the money set aside for and down payment. What do you normally need versus what are your programming offering? Okay. We, um, well, we, we will lend up to $7,500 for down payment assistance. Get the thing closed, right. okay? And this is for someone who's working, who has decent credit, mm -hmm. who has the ability to pay, but not maybe the money saved up. I think what's critical, though, is that when we do those loans, we require folks to go through a homeowner, um, owner, home ownership education to understand what it means to be a homeowner. It's just not making the mortgage payment every month. It's making sure the, uh, the property taxes are paid and the, and the hot water heater gets fixed when it's broken and the roof gets repaired when it's leaking and whatever other things go along with being a homeowner. And we just think that makes for a more informed uh, and, and effective and more successful homeowner when so when folks figure out what they, you know, what they got to do. Yeah. And we love doing that. That's really cool. So you are in many ways getting people into homes that would otherwise not be. That's right. That's right. And that's, and that's a great, great feeling for us and the 275 folks that work at Mishta. And so can you tell us what, what are kind of some of the big issues that, are, that you're trying to deal with as a director, as Mishta looks out in this new economy, as people are saying, we're bouncing back and the Great Recession mm -hmm. is over and housing prices are going up and commercial banks are lending and credit scores and jobs. And sure. Um, what, I, what I tell folks is that um, an approving economy still uh, lend your problems, okay? They're high-class problems, but they're still problems. Right. Uh, problems of affordability, okay? Mm -hmm. When there's demand, greater demand for something, the price goes up. Okay, so for someone of lesser means, that makes it harder for them to get into either a home or an apartment because the price is going up. Uh, we find folks who 
uh, may be working somewhere and not able to find affordable homes near where they work, so they end up driving a long way. They end up with transportation problems. Right. Uh, they end up with a, a busted front end because they drove over a pothole on the way to work. Well, we get a lot of that. I mean, we had the oh, uh, sure. we had the MDOT director, uh, Paul Agebo, on a, a little Great while guy. ago, and we were talking about that, and we were talking about the huge costs. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and the, it's I appreciate that you mentioned that and that that's talking about somebody's home affordability is the fact that it's... You know, it's cutting in their ability to pay a mortgage, you know, mm -hmm. that very unreliable, uh, unexpected debt. That's right. Well, um, frankly, you're paying for good roads whether you got them or not. <laughs> okay? Uh, that's, you can use that one, too. I, I will, we'll remember that. <laughs> we'll remember that. So, uh, more problems. Um, <clears throat> we're also seeing a difficulty uh, with folks, even of relatively better means. Maybe their income is higher than 60% of the area median income. Right. But they are having trouble finding uh, even homes affordable for them too. So it's the entire spectrum mm -hmm. of uh, homeowners and, and renters, people here in Michigan, how to find shelter that's decently close to where they live, that they can afford to actually live in, that's that's good to live in, okay, that the heat's on and all the stuff. And when that you say there. that's affordable, what do you what does Mishta consider affordable? Well, we look at affordable being, you know, where you're you're spending thirty percent of or less of your income on your shelter. Okay. Now thirty percent is still a lot of money. Okay. And, and there so are, is that thirty percent including you know, is that mortgage taxes insurance or is that just mortgage? Well that's thirty percent on shelter. Okay. So if you're talking about rent and things like that, it's usually thirty percent. If, if you're spending more than that, uh, it starts cutting into, uh, you know, um, how, how, how much gasoline can I buy? Where can I live? Uh, right. How effective can I be at my job? Where's my kid's school at? And all the mm -hmm. things that go along with it. So, and we find people uh, who are living in homes where their rent is 50% and more of their monthly income. And that uh, means that something else gives in their household. Okay, it means the car doesn't get fixed, or uh, you know, some, something goes, something goes wrong for them. Yeah. We're starting. To, I mean, affordability is becoming an increasingly big issue mm -hmm. in the city, of Detroit, and mm -hmm. you know, Hampton, McCollum Park, Gross Point, and kind of that southeastern Michigan areas. We see kind of new development, and I think we spent a good amount of time talking about the single-family business that you do, mm -hmm. but you also do a lot with multifamily and affordability from a, a broader sense. We do. Uh, we, uh, we like to do multifamily development, uh, and we do that uh, using the uh, federal low-income housing tax credit as a tool. Uh, basically, the incomes of folks are lower in these right. affordable, um, and the rents are correspondingly lower. Right. Okay. So since the rents are lower, how are you going to make the financing work if you want to build or maintain a good apartment complex? Well, the low-income housing tax credit, frankly, fills that gap. Uh, investors come in, effectively they buy the credits, they buy it at a discount, they make a little profit in the back end, but that fills the equity gap so that we can see that something is built that people can afford and that's very attractive. You drive by affordable housing all the time. Yeah. You just don't know that it is because it doesn't meet your mind's eye. Of and that's you your think. goal, right? Is to is that affordable housing looks like regular housing. Well, it is and should be just like any other housing, just like any other market. Could you say housing. that again? I don't think people know when you say affordable housing should not look any different. That project should be the same. No more of these kind of like, this is where poor people live. This is where poor people don't live. Right. Um, I think we have... We have 
In our country, we had for many years affordable housing that you knew was for poor folks. Mm -hmm. It was a kind of a concrete block bunker. There was criminals around. It was not well maintained. And who would want to live there? Okay, yeah. except those who, that was the only place they could live. What we see now with this public-private partnership that we do, right. okay, we admission of which we're very proud, by the way, is you see affordable housing being just like any other market-rate apartment, mm -hmm. except that the financing's been figured out so that folks of lower income can live there. Okay, the rent's a little lower, but it's still well-maintained, okay? The escrow accounts are still funded. The mortgage payment is still made. There is provision for repairs. Uh, they are well managed. They don't tolerate a criminal element. And you would love having it for a neighbor. You wouldn't mind living there yourself because they're just as cute as can be. Yeah, you're, I, we uh, had a chance to go on a little tour with you. We went over to uh, NSO's fairly large project. Yes. Uh, and those units were, were beautiful and wonderful mm -hmm. and, and very affordable. And Yes. That's, I mean, that's our goal is to see them be as attractive and pleasant and mm -hmm. in good parts of town, okay, quote, unquote, unquote, good parts right. of town, um, so that uh, folks uh, can live there and interact with just everyone else. And when folks can live in a house or a home that mm -hmm. they can afford, then, and they know the heat's on every day, okay, and they know that they can be safe there. They, uh, they can focus on their jobs. They can focus on their training. They can make sure the kids go to school every day. They can do all the things that many of us take for granted where right. we live, okay, and uh, take care of their family's business um, just as well as anyone else. And that's kind of our goal is to see folks just be uh, good citizens of our country and they've got a great place to live. Awesome. So we always try, and, when we get a guest on, we always try and ask them a solution. Not the solution to the problem, but we've talked a lot about what are some of the issues. What is one of the solutions that Mischa is working on right now? Something we can get done. Uh, we are uh, working on something right now. It, it's just among the many things we're working on right yeah. now. Uh, we're working on a modular home pilot, okay, where um, we're not seeing much building going on in the single family realm. We right. haven't for 10 or 15 years mm -hmm. and we're still not seeing it because frankly, when the economy went south, many of the workers went south too. <laughs> okay, literally, all right? <clears throat> so we're not seeing as many homes being built, but we're seeing where maybe modular homes can be built in a factory. We know how to do factories here in Michigan, right? right? Uh, using products efficiently, using talent that's maybe not quite as skilled mm -hmm. as maybe what you got to be to build a stick built house on a on a lot right okay and you can build 12 months a year the lumber doesn't walk off at night there's a lot of advantages to doing a modular home it's this is not a, a home with wheels okay right. we're not you, talking about that we're talking about a built stick in built pieces home. yes delivered on site that's exactly right it can be done quickly it can be done less expensively uh, more efficiently and so we're doing a modular pilot here around michigan we just we committed to 10 We've got 55 cities interested in wow. doing it. Now, if we have to do more, we will do more. Well, we're excited. We're excited to get some more of those. What? How is that? Is that funded? How's that? Fun, you know, what, what's uh, we, that pilot look basically, like? Basically, Mishta is gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna build 10 places at 200,000 apiece. Okay. Uh, four cities. Uh, so, for example, Coldwater's working on it. Hamtramck's looking at it. Frankly, very excited okay. about it. I talked to Kathy Anger today, by the way, mm -hmm. on that. Okay. Uh, they would like to do a couple. Uh, they'll build them. They'll show them to folks. Folks will say, oh, this is a modular home? Yeah, this is fine. I'd live here. Yeah. 
and then eventually they get sold. We let, we'll get our money back or most of it. Our exposure to a loss is not very great. Good. So that's how we're going to try and jumpstart this a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, there's a factory. We know of a factory in Bay City, and there may be others around the state of Michigan. In any event, we need uh, more homes, and this is a way to try and do it. So the solution you're talking about is going to mean more opportunities in some of these cities. But most importantly, it could be that next brand uh, of things that we're exporting. We're exporting modular homes, getting them on the road, getting them out. Maybe. You know, Maybe, yeah. If we, if we create some new manufacturing capability here in Michigan, that's a bonus from my perspective. But I just want to see folks get into homes. That's great. So... How, does, how do people get involved with some of the Mr. programs? So you've got a lot of things going on. If right. someone is like, hey, I'm trying to buy my first home, right. where do they go? If they're like, I'm a small developer, I'd like to do you know, some small development, some affordable housing, sure. some senior stuff. Uh, well, our website's at uh, michigan.gov slash mishta. Okay, mm -hmm. all of our programs are on there. If someone's looking to buy a house, I mean, they're going to look for the house to begin with. Right. They should talk with their realtor. They should talk with their lender. Their lender is not us, necessarily. Mm -hmm. It might be some bank or credit union or mortgage company, but it has to be someone who participates with our loans. Right. And we have a lot of them around the state. Frankly, uh, the bank, the credit union, the mortgage company originates the loans under our terms. Mm -hmm. uh, we buy the loan from them. Uh, we pay them a fee. They're business people. They make a profit. God bless profit. Without profit, none of us is here. <laughs> okay, really. Uh, and then uh, the house, um, they buy their house. Uh, we fund the loan. And the next thing you know, they got a cute little place such as we saw in the video today of the young that lady was nice. in Detroit. Yeah. yeah. So yep. they can go to the website, and that's the place where they can find out about down payment assistance and, and some of the other programs that you've got. And Mi similarly, a community can reach out to Michigan and say, hey, we want to do some of these programs. Right. Uh, the, the modular especially. We've got 55 cities that are interested in it now. Awesome. Well, yeah. Earl, thank you so much for coming on. Is there any last uh, parting words of wisdom you've got for us? Uh, the, the wisdom I would impart to you is the same thing I told the committee today. Is that, is that homes are where jobs go to sleep at night. Well, we'll okay, we need homes for folks whose jobs we've created. And uh, we look forward to doing that at Michigan. Awesome. Well, that was a great way to finish this out. Thanks, Earl. Thank you. This has been the We Can Do Better podcast with Senator Adam O'Leary. Thank you for listening to our guests as we talked about how we can do better.